thank you father father as we prepare to open our hearts to your word this morning lord i just want to thank you for giving us such hunger and such thirst for you open our ears and our hearts to hear what you're saying lord and give us obedient hearts to follow through in jesus name amen and amen praise god you may be seated Praise the Lord. Well, if you've uh, been following along here, uh, I trust that you're enjoying those of you that are fasting. We're in a season of setting ourselves aside very intentionally to seek the Lord, uh, both on a personal level as well as on a corporate level. And a reminder to you, if you're not aware of it, uh, or if you are but you forgot, that we are gathering early in the morning from 6 to 7 right here. And uh, we just worship and pray together. It's been beautiful. And, you know, it's really the fulfillment of, of something, I think, that's dear to the heart of God. And, you know, we have a great intercessory prayer group on Monday mornings, mostly made up of women. Periodically, a man will show up here and there, but mostly women. But in God's heart, that's beautiful and awesome, and I'm thanking God for it. I tell you, it carries along this place in the Spirit, whether you know it or not. It's a powerful thing. It's a beautiful thing. But what's so neat about him witnessing on uh, the Monday uh, Monday through Friday early morning stuff men and women together it's just beautiful I, and it's it's a fulfillment of a prophecy we received many years ago Steve Everett um, came through this man and and he had a powerful prophecy before this place was ever called Living Waters before I was ever its pastor I happened to be in that meeting we actually have it written down if you're interested we can make copies available but he began to prophesy over this place and I'm telling you the heavens opened when that man began prophesying. It was powerful. And um, I remembered his message that day. The message, the title of his message was on inheritance, our inheritance, receiving our inheritance. So years passed, and uh, I became the pastor of this church. The office, pastor's office used to be in the back, and I was there going through some uh, cassette tapes that the previous pastor had left, and I was just trying to clear some space, and I came across this cassette this tape from this brother being there that day and I saw the title of the message inheritance I thought oh that was a great message I'm not going to throw that one away I'm going to listen to it so I put it in listen as I'm listening it gets to the end and he says let's just wait on the Lord for a few moments and a precious African-American brother I think he's still out of South Florida and he just began waiting and he began praying in tongues and all of a sudden this prophecy began rolling out and it's on the cassette and I'm listening to it I've already, God's already spoken to me to change the name to Living Waters. All this is up and moving now. I'm, you know, in a new season of my life and certainly the life of this ministry. And all of a sudden, as I'm listening to that prophecy, he begins to talk about this well of living waters that's going to spring up in this place. I had totally forgotten. None of this stuff was even on my radar. And it's like he said, and it will be a company of intercessors and praying men and women it will be a time to gather all of you like Israel of old I will gather both the men and the women and there's coming times where you would stand all day in the presence of God standing in the gap I tell you it was a fulfillment and I've seen it I've seen God manifest pieces you have to you know I tell you I wish I could find the actual cassette maybe I can somewhere and we could turn it into you know an mp3 format or something do something with it but uh, just powerful, powerful stuff. So I say all of that this morning because God from the beginning called you, set you aside, chose when you would be born, 
put you in not only this generation, but I believe in this community for such a time as this and brought you here. I'm convinced of that. I don't take that as a light statement. I believe our lives are sovereignly ordered. Our steps are ordered by the Lord. And uh, in that, there's a purpose and there's a plan. And we've been talking about <clears throat> our calling together as a priesthood of believers. And we spent some time talking about John in the book of Revelation. God speaks to him. He has an open vision. And he sees a door open in heaven. And he hears this voice saying, come on up here. I want to show you the future. And the first thing he shows John is what? A throne. God seated on his throne. So you want to know what the future is about? Come on, help me now. The future is about God seated on his throne. That is the future of all things. He's not about to uh, give up his place. He has forever determined he will be there. And uh, that's the future. And so we saw not only God on his throne, but we saw 24 thrones around God's throne. That means God's at the center. You want to know what, how it is in heaven? That's an important question because the Bible says, let it be on earth like it is in heaven. That's the way we're supposed to be praying. And so in heaven, God's at the center. Let it be so on earth, right? Of everything we do, everything we have, everything we are. And around the throne is these 24 seats. And on those seats are seated 24 elders. We took time to dig out from the scripture that symbolically that's speaking about a priesthood of believers. There were 24 courses in the priesthood of old. And uh, these guys are wearing crowns. And Peter says that we are a royal priesthood, right? And we can go on and on establishing the idea that this is a symbolic thing God's wanting us to see, that those people on the thrones, not this like group of 24 people, and it's, it's really a picture of us, a priesthood of believers. We also went on to see that in Zechariah, the Bible says, and you can get all this stuff, go, go to the internet and dig it out if you're uh, concerned uh, or don't know that it's in the scripture, it's there. But uh, Zechariah says to us that Jesus, the branch Messiah who was coming that he would rule on his throne and he would be a priest on his throne and so we talked about the Bible saying that we are both kings that we he has made us kings and priests unto God right so we have this kingly responsibility and function and this privilege really to rule and reign with Christ that means we have authority as New Testament believers but we also have this priestly ministry where God calls on us to stand between the living and the dead. Do you know that there is a plague running throughout the earth today that is killing and stealing and destroying lives everywhere you turn? Everywhere. It's a scourge. And I tell you, it's at a level I don't think the earth has ever seen. The devil has come down because he knows his time is short and he's come down in wrath he's pulling every punch he's got he's throwing every deal he's got out there and it's he's going to give it his last best shot we're living in such a generation when the devil is putting out everything he's got but in the midst of all of that god's got a people who are going to rule and reign they've got him at the center he's in his place and they're in their place and from that place, they're standing in the gap between those that are dying and being swept away. People are being swept away in a flood of wickedness. 
in the earth. Never before has the earth been so riddled with perversion, and it's had its seasons of perversion, for sure. But I'm telling you, with the advent of the internet and the ease of all of the corruption, the minds of men and women are being swept away. Somebody's got to stand in the gap. And so we have this privilege, not because we've got it all together, but because we have a relationship with one who does, and he has the ability to help us stay our course. So I want to take some time this morning, um, go back to Revelations chapter 4. I want to look a little bit more at the throne of God and at the priest, kings, us sitting around the throne and our function and what really we are called to do. I'm interested, hope you are, in your position description. You know, what does God expect from you and what, what have we been called into? I, I want to know that I'm, I'm in my spot, you know, and I'm, I'm doing what things God's called me to do. So I'm going to read from Revelation's uh, first few verses, skip a couple, and then read the last few verses of this chapter, Revelations 4. So let me just start in verse 1. After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, I will show you what must take place after this. And at once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. Now if you remember... Uh, we said there's an important point about the language here. Why does the Bible not just say, I saw God seated on a throne? But it, it doesn't say it that way. It says, I saw a throne, and I saw one seated on the throne. As if to say, first I saw a place, and then I saw somebody who was faithfully in their place. I saw a place of authority, I saw a place of rulership, and then I saw God seated in his place. Do you know God is in his place? God's right where he's supposed to be. And that's an important point because when it goes on, it describes these 24 elders, and it says, I saw 24 seats, and then I saw 24 elders seated on them. And so we said this, that those seats representing us, there is a place for us, but there's a question mark as to whether we will take our place we must weigh in. We must answer the call. And so he goes on here to say, so, uh, and he that sat on that throne uh, had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, thunder, and voices. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. Skip down to verse 8. It gives a description prior, you know, in the, in the middle here of those four creatures, living creatures, and so on. But I want to, for time's sake, just move down here. And, for the four, and the four beasts had each of them six wings about him. They were full of eyes within. And they rest not day and night, saying, Holy holy, holy, Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts, so we're around the throne, we've got these really bizarre creatures that are, are flying around giving glory to God and the elders are watching them and, and witnessing their, their ministry. And he says here, and when the beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who lives forever and ever, the four and 20 elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that lives forever and ever 
and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you have created all things, and for your pleasure they are and were created. Now this is, this is powerful stuff and perhaps a little bizarre, you know, if you're not used to meditating on these things at first glance. You know, if John's just having this vision. You've got to imagine what it's like for John on that day. Heaven's open. He gets an invitation. He accepts the invitation. He comes up. And then in that, he sees these 24 elders seated around this throne and these weird creatures flying around. And these creatures are so enamored with the person of God that they never stop forever and ever and ever crying out, Holy, Holy, Holy. Some say it's a reference to the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Holy, Holy, Holy. Holy is the Father. Holy is the Son. Holy is the Holy Spirit. You know, that there's this constant echoing forever and ever and ever. And these 24 elders, again, a picture of the priesthood, are responding to what's going on there. And I have to say today, if I was to try to focus this message, what I feel God's wanting us to hear today, it's about our ministry as responders to the presence of God to respond to God. Did you know that everything comes and returns back to God? Everything. And God wants to know as He sends it out what our response is. Everything is going to return to God. Do you know even all your money, even the stuff you've hidden is going to return to God? Did you know that? It's all going back to God. God wants to know if I'm actually going to be joyfully involved with it returning to him, it's giving me a chance here to get in on something, it's all going to end up there. Everything. Everything I am, everything I have, my best fishing rods are going back to God. You know, when you get a picture of the throne in heaven, there they don't question this. He is the source and the receiver of everything that is, was, and ever will be. And that's why they're saying, holy, holy, there's no one like you. You deserve all the glory and the honor and the praise. Here's what Romans 11.34 says. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been His counselor? Or who has given a gift to Him that He might be repaid? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. I'm going to say it again. From Him, through Him, and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. So the point here is there's a big circle. You know, it comes out of God and ultimately it's all going to return back to God. If you remember, as we were reading the portion in Revelation we started this morning with, these elders at the end, they fall down and they worship. And what do they do? They give glory to God. They fall down worshiping. They've seen the seraphim saying, holy, holy, holy. And now they're responding to what they're seeing. And what they do is they says they gave glory to God. Here's what they did when they gave their glory. It says, you know, 
Uh, the four and twenty elders fall down before him. This is verse 10 of Revelations 4. That sat on the throne and worshipped him that lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, to receive honor, and to receive power. Right? So they're giving glory and honor and power to the Lord. How can you give glory and honor and power unless you have first received glory, honor, and power? All things come from Him. All things return to Him. Here we've got this people who have received glory. They've received honor. They've received power. And now the circle is complete in this picture because they're giving back glory. It's, it, God's trying to give us stuff to give back. To have the privilege of this. Glory, honor, and power to you. Wow. Here's an interesting thought. Success is not measured by what you get in life, but by what you receive from God and give back to God. Let me say that again. Success is not measured by what you get in life. You know, I can spend a lot of time trying to get things get a name, get a car, get a bigger bank account, get, 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 right? Get, get, get. I can do that. I'm free to do that. I can go after and gather and do all my stuff. But success in life is not measured by what you get in life, in your own strength, in your own efforts, and so on. It's measured, it will be measured this way by God, by what we received from God and then returned back to God. That's how success will be measured in the end. These guys seated around the throne received glory and honor and power and they gave back to God glory and honor and power because they had received it. That's success's measurement. Not by what you get. You know, a lot of people say, well, how do you measure a successful life? Everybody's got different definitions, but I'm here to say it's not who's got the biggest house, the biggest car, the fastest this, the nicest that. It's by who, have, who has received that which God has given and then been a part of giving it back to Him. And I'm talking in terms that are way beyond money right now. I'm talking about your life. My life. Here's an interesting picture. Matthew 10 and 8. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. And then Jesus says this. Freely you have received, freely give. So he's saying, I want you to go out there, heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead. And then he, and he puts it all in the context of what I'm talking about here today, really. And that is, freely you've received, now go ahead and freely give. You know, freely you've received, freely give. You know, there's a ton of things that have been freely given to us interesting the other day yesterday actually we've got family that's still in from brazil and christy's brother-in-law doesn't speak much english at all likes to 
fish. We took him fishing last time he was here. Caught some fish, and he, that was just the bomb. I mean, he just had such a time with that, you know? So when they come visit, I'm kind of on the hook to go fishing. I know it's a sad, hard, difficult <laughs> task, but I am committed to be a good family man and help the family along the way, you know? So took him and uh, his granddaughter, uh, Christy's great-niece, out t- fishing yesterday. And God parted the clouds, and we got out there and caught a nice fish and whatever. But the family, because it was our daughter's birthday, was going to be gathering for a gathering at our house, and I was responsible to bring enough fish home for the gathering. Okay? So we had a nice redfish. We had a couple small trout, and, uh, but not enough for dinner. Okay? So we went up into uh, Egan's Creek, and lo and behold, I'm going to the dock where I know I can catch some fish most likely. And who's sitting at the dock? Well, Charlie. Cheryl's Charlie right back there yeah he's all plugged into the sweet spot you know so I said hey Charlie how's it going you know he just got in there so we went down further to another dock and there was somebody down there and so we didn't do much down there okay so I came back by and I said well how's it going he says yeah he says I got two two slot redfish which is all he can legally keep in the boat he says I got two slot redfish and so I decided I'd humble myself <laughs> are you with me today I'm gonna humble myself I humble myself I said, so hey I said uh would you be interested in selling one? And he kind of looked at me, didn't know if I was serious or not. And I said, I, you know, I'm, I said, I'm kind of responsible to feed the family tonight. And, you know, I need another fish. And uh, he says, no. He says, he says, but I'll tithe one. I said, glory, this pastor thing is working for me now. Man, it's awesome. Said, Charlie, you are well on your way to sainthood, brother. I mean, this is, this is happening, you know. You are well on your way. And... Uh, and then as I pulled up to the boat and he handed me the fish, he said, you know, you were the one who told me about this spot. I thought, yeah, well, that's, that's true. Freely you received, freely give. And I thought about it later. Somebody else told me about the spot. Freely I had received, and by God's grace, freely I gave. You see, somewhere along the way, God wants to know if what we're on the receiving end of, are you hearing me this morning, will also be on the giving end of. As it comes, so should it go. And sometimes the reason it doesn't come anymore is because we've stopped the flow. We've stopped the flow. I'm going to get, but not release. I'm going to get and not release. That's a spirit, by the way, that will be dominant at the end of the age. That's why when the scripture says in Revelation chapter 13, there's coming a world economic system where no man will be able to buy, sell, or trade except he has what the Bible calls the mark of the beast. I tell you, you don't have to look far to see that system already on the stage of creation today the world banking system the world health organization everything is moving toward a global security global everything and one of the big catalysts i don't have time here today for it all is terrorism forcing fear to come upon the nations of the earth where we have to do things together as a planet no longer a sovereign nation under our 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 values and the such but the whole world will have to come into some kind of common economy and i'm telling you those who have who are taken by the spirit of that that's why you know we think a lot of times when we're living a lifestyle 
that is free, both generous and, 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 and just gracious in giving and the way we handle one another and the way we handle the downtrodden and all that stuff. We think that we're doing them a service and it's true, God uses us to bless people and bless the kingdom. But I'm telling you, we ourselves are being kept from the spirit of the age. God's delivering us from that spirit that's self-preserving and it's going to be the great test that's going to come on all the world. The great test that's going to come on all the world. So freely you've received, freely give. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Here the Apostle Paul says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Did you know that one of the things the Holy Spirit loves to do is to tell us and remind us of the things that God has freely given to us. He says, we've not received the spirit of the world, but we've received the spirit of God that we might know all the stuff that he has freely given to us. Now, why does this matter in the context of what we're talking about? A priesthood, you know, around the throne of God, and so on, because these guys and gals are giving glory and honor and power to the Lord in the sense that it's come to them. They've received it. He put a crown on them. Gosh, me, Lord? Why would you crown me, you know? But here's all this stuff we've freely received of grace from God. And now, for things to be whole and complete, we're to, we're to return what belongs to Him for his glory, for his praise, and for his fame. The things we've freely received. A lot of stuff, truth be known. You know, I find this to be the case that, yeah, Jesus, help me. <laughs> Sometimes I, I struggle. I have to just confess that um, I have things running through my mind. And I think, Lord, you know, that's just going to seem like out there or lofty or deep and what if they don't get it and God says you know don't worry about it that's my job not yours and just do the best you can to break it down and then let it be <laughs> so here we go you know so most of us know hopefully that mysterious as it is that God has called us his people throughout the whole world and throughout the ages who believe in Christ we're called to be his bride right we're going to be it's a mystery but it is what it is we're called to be the bride of Jesus Christ. Okay? That's why he's cleaning us up and we're cleaning ourselves up and getting ready for this great marriage that's going to occur at his return. And in the context of being a bride, brides, women by design, were designed to be responders. Men were designed to be initiators. God, the picture of the man, Christ the man, and then woman, the church, are you with me? Christ and the church, man and woman, the natural relationship with a man and woman. A woman, by design, is a much better responder, okay, by design. So like God initiated our salvation, he's wanting to see what our response is to what he's done for us. Are we touched by that? Are we moved by that? Do we want to be with him because of what he's done and all that stuff? And when I look at this picture, all that said, when I look at the picture of the throne, what I see is a bunch of people who are responding to God. 
They're responding to God. They are this lovesick bride, if you will, that is responding to who He is. They're in love with Him. They just want to be where He is, doing what He's doing. And that element of response is what God's calling us into right now as a church. I know in this season of fasting and praying, the thing that God says to me, son, I'm not asking you to work up anything. I'm asking you to respond to what I'm doing. That's it. Just respond to what I'm doing. The greatest responses we can ever offer are those which we offer towards eternal things. So, position description of the four and twenty elders seated around the throne. We said number one, they're seated there, which means there was a seat and somebody took the seat. Right? They answered the call. I did a whole message on this because these guys according to my understanding of the scripture, are not the spiritual elite. These are like, like those in Luke 14. You remember when the great supper was called and nobody came because they were too busy with other things. He says, get the halt, the maimed, the blind, get the down and outers because my house is going to be filled. You know, And so there's a lot of people who've got it all together who are too busy to answer the call. But there's a bunch of broken people, people who need help. And you're, you can say, amen, that's me, God. I'm the guy that needs help. So you don't have to be a spiritual giant to be included in this, this scene we're talking about, you know? These seats are filled with people who responded to the call. Responders. God, I want to be a responder to you. When you give an invitation, I want to be the first one to say, I'm in. I don't want to be the one that's held back and is all distant and suspicious or preoccupied with other stuff. I want to respond to you. I want to answer the call. You know, I was thinking about our caller ID at the house. We have one of these funky caller IDs, and it actually talks to you, right? So you can plug in, like, numbers that you're used to getting, like our daughters. And, you know, when I call the house, my daughter plugged in there, Papa, because now she's, you know, daughter of grandbaby. And so when the phone rings at the house, it says, you know, ding, ding, and it goes, Papa. <laughs> so it lets everybody know who's calling. Papa's calling. Okay, it's Papa, right? And so it comes up, and, it, and, it, and if you don't know who it is, it just, you know, it just kind of gives you the number, and then you listen, and you can actually listen for who's calling. It's just the way the system is set up. It's just an audible voicemail system, you know? And uh, don't look at me so spiritual like there's times when you don't screen your calls. <laughs> Let's get past that point already, all right? You know good and well. You look down at your phone, you go, I'm not getting that one right now. Just get that hyper-spiritual stuff off of you. Yeah, yeah. Can't, can't yeah, answer machines are fantastic, right? But anyways, <clears throat> I was thinking about answering the call of God, you know? Answering the call of God. Got a problem? No? Something going on? Sorry? <laughs> Something's going on here. Praise God. <laughs> gotcha. Is that okay? Or oh, what's the problem? It's just yeah, it's, it's this. Ah. Uh -huh. Got it. Thank you so much. Okay. Answering the call of God. Think about the answering machine, you know. I don't know if you've heard it or not, but the phone is absolutely ringing over this place. Maybe you've been sitting back a little bit and going, I don't know if I'm going to answer that call or not. 
And then on come the caller ID. Goes, God says, it's me. Would you pick up the phone? It's Papa. It's Papa. It's a safe call to answer. God's not going to try to pull you into something that's going to hurt you. God, it's not a salesman. You know, that's part of the stuff we use the machine to avoid. All these marketing things and all this stuff. I don't, I don't have time to get on the phone and have to explain why I'm not going to give to that charity or that organization for this or that or whatever it is. I, I need a filter, right? So that's okay. But God's the one calling. So these elders are responders to the call. They get up and they answer the call and they say, God, hi. What's on your heart? What do you want to talk about? I'm here. I find it fascinating. God answered. Maybe I should take my sweater off. Huh? God answered the call. I mean, he's God. He's seated where he's supposed to be. There's a throne and one seated on the throne. And there he is. And because of that, I'm convinced it's because of this, it says, out from the throne proceeded lightnings and thunder and voices. And the voices, the idea with the voices here is like a declaration, a message, and a, and a, and a, and a proclamation that's going out of his throne. It's like a statement, if you look it up in the Greek language. And so it's so out, of, out of his throne. But the throne is... You know, it's not just the seat. It's the seat with him in the seat. And because of that, the fruit of that is lightning and thunder and voices. It's like, whoa, man, you have got it going on. I mean, when your throne shoots out stuff like that, something's working for you. You know? I believe the same principle applies... You know, so let's say it like this. When you're in your place, there's power in your place. When you're in your place, your God-ordained place, there's power in your place. Power. So I think the principle applies to us as well because you remember, He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's on His throne. There's 24 thrones around. We have our thrones. Jesus said, cast out devils, do all this. You know, he's saying, you got, you got power when you're in your place. So, description of the priesthood, answer the call. You know, just showing up is half the battle. Just showing up is half the battle. Just be in your place. Find your place. Get in it. That's half the battle. And when you're seated in your place, I believe... As it comes out of his throne, it'll come out of your throne. Thunders and lightning and a message, a life message that brings glory and honor to the Lord. If you're tracking these things, that would be consistent with the idea that of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. What's happening with him is increased because it's now happening in us and through us. So, 
these elders seated around the throne, which is you and me. They're also clothed in white linen. Remember, we started off by talking about freely we've received, freely we give. At the end of it all, we're going to measure success by not what we've gotten, but by what we've received and given back. They received glory, they received honor, they received power, and at the end, they're there laying down, going, all to you, glory and honor and praise. You see, so life is measured by what you've received from God and what you've returned to God. And so what they received was a seat. And they took their seat. It says they also were clothed, they were clothed in white garments. So they received these garments. I want to read to you out of the book of Zechariah chapter 3. Zechariah 3 and 1. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you. And I will clothe you with pure vestments. God is the one who takes away. Right? The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. What does He take away? He takes away our filth. He takes away our sin. He takes away all of our junk. And what does He give us? He gives us clean garments. The the devil is standing there in this passage of Scripture accusing him. He's a priest who's got on a filthy garment. And he's accusing him. And here comes God on his behalf. And he rebukes the devil on his behalf. I rebuke you. That's what God said to him. And then he says, take that filthy thing off. I'm going to bat for this guy so he can finish his course. I'm telling you, some of you, maybe today, have been beaten up with the accuser of the brethren. You feel like you've got some filthy garments on. You feel like you've been stumbling and wrestling with some things. I'm here to say today, God wants to give you a clean garment so you can stand in your place and be effective. Here's what he says, Remove the filthy garments from him, and to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head, that place where all the thinking goes on. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. Isn't it nice to know that God is willing to give us so these, you know, these 24 elders are seated. They're in their place. There was a seat given, and they took their place. Now they've been given garments. Come on, you know what your garment is and my garment is? We once were lost in sin. We were covered up in all kinds of shame, and God gave us. You didn't earn it, and you never will. God gave you salvation. That's good news. That's shouting ground right there. God gave us a clean garment. 
took away the filthy garment. Freely we've received. Why is it that we got saved, but we have such a hard time issuing the same grace to other people? Freely we've received. Freely give. Freely we've received. Freely give. Why is it that we got forgiven, but we have a hard time forgiving others? Unforgiveness is a stench in the nostrils of God. It's a stench. And yet we drag people around in unforgiveness. And God's saying, hey, come on, let it go. You know, I showed you that fishing spot. Now go ahead and tell somebody else about it. Amen. I showed you how to succeed there. Now come on, let somebody else succeed there. Well, Lord, if I do that, then they're going to get all the fish. Well, good, I'll show you another spot. Don't worry about it. Just be like me. Amen. (laughs) Now everybody's going to come up to me at the end of the service and say, Mike, that's bad, man. Gosh, I just preached myself into a terrible spot, man. So give me the GPS coordinates on that spot. I say, Jimmy Meadows, I see Mike. Who else is looking for these spots, right? You know, one, one one spot that I fished at, my uncle actually, who's a professional fisherman, made his life out of it. We were in a tournament one day, and we weren't catching many fish, and finally he broke down. He says, okay, we're going to a spot that not even God knows about. <laughs> I'm not joking. That's what he told me. He said, I'm taking you to a spot that not even God knows about. I thought to myself that day, well, that's the last time you're going to catch any fish there. <laughs> uh, I'm moving on. I just want you to know I'm moving on, man. This is getting awful hot up here. My fishing spots are on the line. What, what is God wanting from us? Let me just try to get way back to the simple stuff here. What is God wanting from us? You know, during this fast for me right now, I'm just like, God, you know, I don't, I don't have to produce something. I don't have, you know, of him, to him, through him, whatever, are all things. Through him, to him, are all things. It all comes from him, goes back to him. God, what do you want me to receive? What, do you, what, do you want to, what kind of garments do you want to take off of me? And what kind of garments do you want to put on? What do you want to clean up in my life? What do you want to replace that with? I'm, here I am. I just want to be a responder to you. You know, I don't have to compete with another pastor or another church or the expectations of people. I just need to be before the throne of God and say, God, here am I. And what I hear in this simple message for me, I, I, I just keep hearing, you know, son, I've got a seat for you. I've got a place for you. I ordained it for you. I just want you to be in your place. Find your place. Get in it. When you're in it, lightning, thunder, you can expect results in your place. Out of your place, not so much. In your place, there's, there's, there's a promise here for you. So be in your place. And by the way, I want you clothed properly. And, and you can't generate that on your own, so I'm going to do that for you. I've done it for you historically if you're born again. But along the way, you know, sometimes we have to wash our garments in the blood of the Lamb. We have to, we have to actually come back and say, you know, God, I need some, some help here because i got some stuff trying to get on me. You ever had stuff just get on you along the way? Like you're going through, you've been doing great, and all of a sudden mud slings up on you, and you can't figure out where to go and what you're doing. You know you're stained with things. Well, these garments were stained garments. And God comes to bat for us. You know? God rebukes the devil on your behalf. And then God provides a garment. 
And then crowns. These guys are crowned. This is all, I hope you, I hope you see this. All things we've received, the things from which we've received really define our ministry. I've received these things and now my ministry is to release them back to the glory of God. The crown on your head. Do you know that God has already crowned you? Maybe you don't feel like it today. Let me just read to you a couple of scriptures. Psalms 8 and 3. The psalmist says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels. It's actually the word Elohim, which is the word for God. And have crowned him. There it is with glory and honor. Did you know that in creation itself, when God made us, He crowned us with glory and honor? On your head, if you could look into the realm of the Spirit right now, there would be a crown resting there of glory and honor simply by virtue of the fact that we are made in His image and in His likeness. You made him, so God crowned him, and you made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes through the paths of the sea, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. So right out the gate, we've received from the Lord a crown of glory and honor. Among creation, we have dominion over the birds and the fish and all the stuff God's given us dominion it's a crown what do we do with the crown is up for grabs I suppose but it's nonetheless a crown given Hebrews chapter 2 verse 5 I've just got to get these verses to you this morning because at the end of it all My prayer this today is that God would help us become more engaged in our calling, whatever that looks like for each of us, as well as effective in our ministry to the Lord. Hebrews 2 and 5, For unto the angels has he not put in subjection the world to come, wherefore we speak, but one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man? It's a quote from that psalm we just read that you are mindful of him, or the Son of Man, that you visit him. You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor and did set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him, but now we see not yet all things put under him. Now look at this, but here's what we do see. Because listen, let's be honest. The dominion Adam and Eve received in the garden, they gave it up. And so now we've got a lot of chaos and a lot of problems and all these issues. But Jesus has come to restore back the appropriate crown on man of glory and honor. Because right now you've got a lot of shame, don't you? A lot of problems that are, are on man. But there's this glory and honor. And here's Jesus stepping in on our behalf. But he says, we don't see everything at the moment where it's supposed to be. Verse 9, but we see Jesus 
who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom all are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifies and he that, you that are sanctified um, are one. For which cause he's not ashamed to call them brethren. Now, I could read on and, and I gosh, there's just so much in here about the fear of death and the deliverance that comes from understanding this stuff but the simple version is this because man kind of forfeited his glorious honor and crown from the garden time Jesus came to restore it and Jesus took our place and Jesus through suffering you know he wore a crown of thorns on our behalf in that place God has given him honor and those who put their faith in him can come back into this place of honor and power and right living with God. So, what's your responsibility? Receive. Receive. Receive what? Receive the crown of glory. How are you going to get that? Well, Jesus got it for you. He got it for you. Now, your job is to receive it. Okay, God, you know, it doesn't seem fitting to stick such a wonderful crown on me based on my history, based on all my shortcomings, but if if this is not based on my doing, but on my receiving, then I'm going to receive it as a gift from you. And in receiving that gift, I receive what comes with it, which is honor. You know, God looks at you and wants you to know that you are being honored and valued. I find that many times we spend our lives trying to to get people to honor us, to value us. You know, it's really what the word honor means here when it says glory and honor. The word honor means value. Put value on. We all want to be valued. And yet Jesus is saying, I want you to know I'm crowning you and putting value on you. You're precious to me. You'll find it nowhere else. Hallelujah. So I'm at a crossroads. You don't know this and probably don't need to know this, but I had a whole different message prepared that I worked all out until this morning. (laughs) And I got up and I was down this path instead. And so I've I find myself at an interesting juncture right now <clears throat> because in my heart I, um, I've decided I'm just going to be a responder. You know? And that might look pretty at times, it might not, but it's getting more and more less important to me how it looks. When I walk out of here, just like when you, walk, when you walk out of here, when you want to walk out of here, <laughs> when you walk out of here, Uh, I hope we're all asking the same question. 
God, is that what you wanted? Has what I've done pleased you? I have to ask that question. You have to ask that question. Part of me wants to go to the idea that this crown that Jesus has given us, because remember these guys have got it on, is also related to suffering. You can read that passage in Hebrews a little bit further and it says that he was, it was fitting that he who suffered through these things would be the one who would be the one able to help us. And I find that these guys with these crowns on these thrones, you might not agree, but these are people who have endured hardship and they have received a crown for enduring their hardships. It's an important word. Do you know the crown of gold, I, I'm convinced, is preceded by the crown of thorns many times. If we suffer with him, we shall also reign with him, Paul said to Timothy. We suffer, and I say that, I'm going to land here today with this because we're going to take communion together, and I think the point with all of it would be that we've received so much from the Lord it's only right that what we've received would empower us to endure. What we've received would empower us to endure. Here are these verses and I'm going to go right to communion table. James chapter 1 verse 12. Blessed is the man that endures temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. You know, I don't know the fuel of enduring temptation. It's love for God. Love for God. God blessed is the man that endures it Revelations chapter 2 and verse 10 fear none of those things which you shall suffer behold the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried and you shall have tribulation ten days but be you faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life I will give you the crown of life Revelations 3 and 11, Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast what you have or what you have received that no man take your crown. Don't let someone have your crown. God has provided it for you. Now our job is to respond by valuing what God has given and not let someone or something take it from us. I've crowned you with glory. Yeah, but I lost it, Lord. I know, and I came and died to restore it to you and get under my blood because every time you stumble and make a mistake, my blood is sufficient to put you back in your place. Wear your crown by virtue of the blood. Wear the crown by virtue of the suffering. Well, God, it's been so hard lately and I just keep messing up with it. You know what God says? Come to me. Confess your sins. Release it to me. Let my blood wash over you and put your crown back on. Get it straight. The devil bumps it, but get it straight because it's your ministry. It's your calling. 
Yeah, my garments are dirty. I'm giving you a new one today. And without receiving, we'll never be able to return by giving glory and honor and power and praise to God. So our first assignment, receive. Receive. Can we pray together this morning? Why don't you stand up on your feet? I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes just for a sec here this morning. And I, you know, just want to be sure that if there's anybody here today that in their heart of hearts has never officially received Jesus as their personal Savior and Lord. You've never, you've heard about him, but you've never really said, you know what, I'm tired of doing this on my own. My life is a mess. I can't straighten it out. I need help. I need saving. And that I want Jesus to come into my life. If you're here this morning, and, and that's just the truth of where you are today, don't miss a moment right now to just acknowledge that because God's wanting to give you a new beginning. He's wanting to give you a new start, but you've got to be willing to receive it or you're going to be stuck right where you are. Is there anybody? Just let me see your hand if you're here today and that's you. I'd be thrilled to pray with you if there's anybody here this morning. Honestly, in your heart of hearts, listen, you're going to walk out of here today and if that's you, you could walk out of here totally different. Is there anybody in their heart of hearts that would just say, you know, Pastor, that's me. I need someone to pray for me. No one. Thank you, Lord. Father, I want to thank you then, right here in this place today, <laughs> that all of these people standing here today have received the gift of salvation. I want to thank you for that, Father. Lord, I thank you that because of that, we can take our seat. Your grace. Lord, I want to ask now that you would just personally, as we prepare our hearts to come and take of this table, Lord, I thank you today once again. You have provided this table as a reminder of the victory that's ours you did it for us. You suffered and died for us. I thank you today, Lord, for those who find themselves wearing filthy garments that today they can be washed. I thank you today for those whose crowns have fallen off or are tilted to the side, Lord, that today by the power of the blood things can be straightened out. God, I pray it would be more than just a ritual this morning. Would you help us, Holy Spirit? Would you help us today? Lord, we come because we need you. And we can't make it without you. And we come in Jesus' name. Amen. Eric, would you put some worship?